The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Hi there. Welcome to Students of Mind, the mental health podcast made by curious minds for curious minds. On this podcast, we, the hosts, are just like you, eager to learn more about the mind. Here we learn with you and provide you with clear, concise information backed up by real experts about all things mental health. My name is Jade. I'm Sarah. I'm Otavia. And I'm Alia. In today's pilot episode, we'll be diving into what the term mental health really means and take a look at how the understanding of mental health has evolved over time. Before we dive into our main topic for today, we'll each tell you a little bit about ourselves. I'm Jade, I'm 20, um, and I'm really excited about doing this podcast because I'm really passionate about mental health advocacy because I've had a lot of experiences with my own mental health and I really just want to help as many people as possible so they can have an easier time than I did. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm 21. I was really interested in doing this podcast because I've I've always been interested in the way that my mind worked and the way that other people around me were thinking. And I find it so fascinating, the weird things and cool things that the brain can do and can convince us of as we live our lives. And I'm really excited to share that with you as I and and as we all learn about our minds. I'm Otavia. I'm also 20 years old. For the most part, I think this I have the same reasons on why I wanted to do this podcast as Sarah. Um, it's very fascinating on how you can dive deeper into like knowing who we are as people through mental health. And I don't know a lot on mental health, but I thought it'd be a great opportunity to learn more. Um, yeah. I'm Alia and I'm 17. I'm excited for this podcast because I feel like it's just mental health in general is so important and with all the stuff that's happening right now it's like you know it's really testing us and testing our limits so educating people I feel is really important what do we mean when we say the term mental health for this podcast we're defining mental health as one's emotional psychological and social well-being meaning how we feel, how we act, and how we interact with others. Mental health is important every stage of life. 
Things that can contribute to mental health are biological factors, examples being abnormal functioning of nerve cell pathways, imbalance of neurotransmitters, which is a chemical messenger of the brain, malnutrition, exposure to toxins, and substance abuse. Another can be life experiences, such as divorce, moving to a new place, or transitions in general. Another contributing factor can be family history of mental health problems, since mental illnesses can be passed down through genes. Mental health has to do with our emotional, psychological, and general well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also affects how we deal with certain situations and choices we make. Not only that, but an unhealthy mind can take a toll on our physical being, resulting in diseases and a weakened body. The most obvious concerns of not maintaining a healthy mentality is that it can lead to mental illnesses not just affecting yourself but loved ones and others. So now let's talk about stigma around mental health. And I want to kind of throw the question to you guys. What does the term stigma mean to you? Stigma to me means that other people might have a more negative opinion of you based on information that they learn. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Uh, So I went on dictionary.com so I could get an accurate definition. (laughs) Um, And they define it as a mark of disgrace or infamy or a stain on one's reputation, basically meaning like seeing someone in a negative light because of a characteristic that they have. Um, And then specifically when speaking about mental health stigma, we're talking about this idea that people who struggle with their mental health have something wrong with them. And also when we talk about the stigma, there's two types. The first type is social stigma, which is the type we hear about the most. Um, It's stigma from others or other external forces. The second type of stigma is self-perceived stigma. So this means that a person who is struggling with mental health and is receiving stigma externally has internalized feelings that arise as a result of those external stigmatizations from other people. Um, This can cause like feelings of embarrassment, um, just feeling inadequate, lower self-esteem. I know for me, I really struggled with this when I was first getting into working on my mental health because um, I would talk about it openly, but other people would act as if it was some type of taboo. So then I was like, oh, I must not be allowed to talk about this. So it made me like get weary about being open about my mental health um and I found this quote kind of summarizing the stigmatization around mental health and it's there is no country society or culture where people with mental illness have the same societal value as people without a mental illness yeah that's uh that's a heavy one but I think it's very um, telling of the extent of the stigma that people who are struggling with their mental health are experiencing. So now let's look a little deeper. What is causing the stigma? Do you guys have any ideas of what could be causing the stigma around mental health? I think it could be maybe a social thing, Um, well, along with any other you know, factor, but usually in the US, it is such a taboo to talk about your feelings and to be open with um, how you're doing. 
Like whenever people ask, oh, how are you doing? You know, I feel like a lot of people just quickly go to doing fine and then moves on and then they move on with their day um, Mm -hmm. rather to really sit down and have a conversation about how they're actually feeling because it's more of just like a passive thing to do. So, yes, I think that's um, a really good point and something that you're touching on is like you said, it's a taboo. And the reason it's a taboo is because there are so many misconceptions about mental health. So a misconception is a wrong belief or opinion that results from a lack of understanding. Those lack of understandings lead to people just coming up with opinions in their head about a certain group of people, which usually contributes to them viewing them in a negative way. So before I list some common misconceptions, are you guys aware of any of the mental health misconceptions? And if so, can you name some? I think one one common misconception that I find is that, especially with some of the more benign mental illnesses that people face, there's this sort of conception that people might be harmful to others or be dangerous in some way. Another misconception I find is the misconception that mental illness is catching, that you can spread it to other people who don't have a mental illness just by interacting with them or being near them. Those are good ones, especially that last one where people think it's like contagious. Um, I think that one's one that's causing pain to a lot of people. I think another one would be that people can't get away from their mental health diagnosis and then it kind of just takes over a part of their lives and people treat them so differently as if they're like very fragile and kind of forget that they're humans too Um, and just kind of really drive in their like diagnosis. Yeah, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Specific TED talk about it, about how like... um, this girl was diagnosed with, um, I think, schizophrenia, and then she kind of couldn't do anything after because since she was seen as schizophrenic, everyone was just like, oh, she's crazy, basically. Yeah, I think that's that's very common uh, where people learn that someone has a mental illness and then they just define that person solely by their mental illness. And that's that's a really good example, too, of, of stigma and how it can really impact people's lives um, when someone learns that you have a mental illness and they treat you completely differently in light of that information. That's, you know, that's a really good example. Yep, exactly. I've met a couple people who believe that if you're diagnosed with a mental illness, like depression, for example, they believe that that's the only emotion you can feel. All you can feel is depression. Okay, yeah, I've heard that one, too. I think... Like going off of that, it's also maybe not that that's the only emotion that they can feel, but the only emotion that they want to feel or that they want to have the disorder. I think a lot of times people think it's, you know, it's a choice. But you guys touched on a lot of the like most common misconceptions. And the top one, which Sarah, you mentioned, is that people with mental illness are dangerous and violent. That's the number one misconceptions surrounding mental health. But studies have shown that people with mental illnesses are more likely to be victims than perpetrators. 
I think the reason people think people with mental illnesses are violent is because of the way mental illness is depicted in media and movies and TV shows and stuff. And really the only mental illness you see in those types of movies is like schizophrenia or depression, which isn't an accurate depiction of the entire spectrum. Another common misconception is, which we touched on a little bit, is that mental health problems are self-inflicted. This is usually pertaining to illnesses like eating disorders or substance abuse, but that's another one of the top misconceptions about mental health. Another very common misconception is that mental illnesses are not actual illnesses and that they only affect the mind. Um, as we touched on a little bit earlier, Mental health disorders have a strong biological and genetic basis. A lot of them are a result of chemical imbalances or faulty connections of brain circuits. Um, and then there's also mental illnesses that can be passed down through genes. So literally, it's it's like out of our control sometimes if if we get a mental illness because it can just be passed down through our genes. The last common misconception I'm going to talk about is the misconception that you're either mentally ill or mentally healthy. The reality is mental health is a spectrum. So you don't have to either have depression or nothing at all. You don't have to have anxiety or just be happy all the time. There's so much room in between and that's something that I don't think a lot of people understand. And the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services actually estimates that only about 17% of adults are in a state of optimal mental health. That doesn't mean that everyone is sad. <laughs> that just means that, um, you know, everyone has stuff that they're going through. And if you're not diagnosed with a clinical mental health disorder, that doesn't mean you're not struggling. That doesn't mean you can't be struggling with your mental health. So now we're going to pass it off to Sarah. Uh, she's going to talk about the history of mental health. And I'm excited for this part because I feel like I focus so much on learning about the state of mental health right now. I mean, I don't really know much about the origins or like I don't know much about how mental health was viewed like way, way back in the day. So, Sarah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Thanks, Jade. All right. So today I'm going to be talking about the history of mental health um, and mental illness and how societies have looked at it in the past. I just want to start out by asking, do you guys know anything about the history of mental health pre, say, 1950? Do you guys have any fun facts that you know? I don't know if this is pre-1950, but I know that a lot of women would be put in mental asylums, as they were called back then, because of things like menstrual cramps or like their menstrual cycle and stuff like that, like for things that are absurd now and th that women were put in, in those hospitals back then for that reason. 
Yeah, Jade, you're 100% right. And that is pre-1950. Um, one thing that happened in the 1950s that people don't talk about is deinstitutionalization. Um, and I'm going to circle back around to that and the causes of that. But basically, one thing that we used to do is we used to institutionalize people who were considered mentally ill. And you're also right. You could be considered mentally ill for a lot of reasons. Women really got the short stick there. Uh, you could be institutionalized as a woman for disobedience, for PMS, for postpartum depression, and for a whole laundry list of things that now we don't equate at all to mental illness or being a danger to others. And the reason that I chose pre-1950s is, as I mentioned before, that's when we began to deinstitutionalize. We stopped putting people in institutions. We had people moved out of institutions because of a woman named Nellie Bly and also a woman named Dorothy Dix. Those are two women who wrote exposés on the inhumane conditions of asylums. And the deinstitutionalization program, there's a lot of pros and cons. Some of the pros were that people are no longer able to be institutionalized and put away for things that they can't control. There's much more oversight. But the problem is we never replaced institutions with something that could care for the mentally ill. And you'll find that a lot of people who previously would have been institutionalized are now in prison. And whether they're being treated better there than they would be in institutions is a matter for debate. But I actually want to circle back, go back about 2,000, 4,000 years. So we're going we're gonna to really go back. Has anybody ever heard of I'm going to pronounce this. I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to give it a go. Has anybody heard of trepanning? No. So trepanning was our first recorded surgery for treating the mentally ill. So this was, I think, Stone Age. It was used for a number of reasons. It's the first surgery we have evidence of, period. But archaeologists think that it was used to let spirits out of the head um, as its main purpose. It was also used to treat traumatic brain injury. You know, we don't usually think of cave people as neurosurgeons, but here we are. And the trepanation being used to let spirits out is a really good example of uh, mental illness being thought of as being supernaturally caused and something that we're actually going to see repeated throughout history. And two of the other causes that we're going to see repeated are that it's going to be psychogenic. So something in the mind, an experience that, that had caused the mind to break, or somatogenic, which would be from the body that, that there had been some sort of trauma or that there was a brain tumor or, or something in your body was, was causing it. And as societies, we tended to shift between these examples. So when we move past the Stone Age, we're going to jump into ancient Greece and Rome. And there, it was sort of a mixture. They it, they thought that if you were mentally ill, that you were maybe touched by the gods. Um, alternately, a little later on in ancient Rome, they thought that maybe your humors were out of whack, this idea that you had a chemical imbalance in your body and that if you could be fed certain foods to feed certain humors, you would be able to balance your mental illness. Ancient Greece and ancient Rome are two of the civilizations that Western society really sort of fetishized. And we have based a lot of our society on the way they used to do things. And in ancient Greece and Rome, you would find the mentally ill were shunned. They were forced to wander from place to place. They were considered mad. And they were kept in the home. There wasn't a lot of kindness or government support for people who had been seen to go mad. I should note that in the Middle East at about this time, they were 
far more humane and also more educated. They also had the idea of humors, but they were some of the first to come up with institutions to house the mentally ill. So the idea of humors stayed popular actually for about a thousand years. We've heard of humors today, mostly in like the 1800s when people would, doctors would come to people's houses and put leeches on them to get rid of bad blood. And that's, that's sort of a direct result of humors that came around in ancient Rome. Going into the Middle Ages, definitely not known for their forward thinking. Again, supernatural causes were right back in there. If you were mentally ill, you were possessed by demons, and that just really sucked for you. This was the time that lunatic came around. It was derived from the theory that the moon was influencing those who went mad. There wasn't any government support, no societal support. The mentally ill were usually kept in their communities, and because communities were generally poor and also generally worked together, you would get concepts like the village idiot, which would often be someone who had either a mental disorder or a birth defect, um, and the community either cared or didn't care for them, depending on the community. And then a few hundred years later, we get the witch trials. These were a lot of mentally ill women and men who were burned at the stake for not conforming to normal societal standards. Thankfully, we moved on from that for the most part, and we did this in part by taking the mentally ill out of the community. We started opening institutions. London opened their first institution called Bedlam, which is a pretty famous mental hospital in 1273. So institutionalization had been around for a while, but it started to become more and more common. So the institutions were created and people were treated like animals. It was assumed that if they were not, if they were so mentally ill that they couldn't stick up for themselves, there was nothing to stick up for. They didn't exist as people. And this led to insanely awful conditions. Many of us know about the horrors that went on behind the scenes. There's a great American horror story season about this exact concept. Um, and that brings us back to the 1950s when deinstitutionalization started. And that's sort of the advent of the current place we are in mental health. In the past 70 years, we've made massive strides in normalizing mental health, in coming up with cures for mental illness. Prozac was invented in the 1980s, which revolutionized the way we thought about depression and people who are depressed since it had a cure even though antidepressants we now know are not truly a cure. They are more of a way to cope. And in the past 10 years or so, the wellness movement has taken off, bringing back the concept of food to treat mental illness and exercise. These ways to think about mental illness, these ways to treat mental illness are not new. They're actually very, very old. And I think it really shows how pervasive and common this problem is that we are referring back to centuries and sometimes, you know, millennia old solutions for the same problem in in 2020. So yeah, this is this is the best time to have a mental illness. Stigma has gone way down. There's medication you can take and overall you can talk about your problems without, you know, being sent to a madhouse. Um I think something that I like that you said is that right now is a really good time to have a mental illness because we just talked about how much stigma there is around mental illness, which probably sounded terrifying 
uh, to live in this world with all the stigma. But no, it's um, it's gotten a lot better. And where we are now is a lot better than where we were, but there's still work to be done. Um, and that's one of the points of this podcast is to just get people talking because the more we talk, the better things get. So the last thing we're going to talk about today is mental illness. Uh, You really can't talk about mental health without talking about mental illnesses. And I want to be sure to make the distinction between mental illness and mental health because I feel like some people use them interchangeably. So mental health, as we said earlier, is our emotional and psychological state. It's how we view and feel about ourselves and also how we interact with others. Mental illnesses, on the other hand, is a wide range of disorders that affect thinking, mood, and behavior, and mental illness can affect anyone. So I want to ask you guys, um, what do you guys think are the most publicly known mental illnesses? Depression, anxiety, OCD also, and Mm -hmm. um, eating disorders as well. Yeah. You guys said them all, pretty much. Um, The uh, most common ones, or I'll say this, the ones that people know the most about, people as in, like, the general public, are anxiety, depression, and schizophrenia. But obviously, these are not the only ones, and there are a lot of mental illnesses, and there are probably more that we haven't discovered, but there are some main categories And they are anxiety disorders, which include like panic disorders, OCD, and phobias. There's mood disorders, which includes like depression and bipolar disorders. There's personality disorders. There's psychotic disorders, which include schizophrenia. There's trauma disorders, eating disorders, and addiction and substance abuse. So those are like the seven main categories of mental illnesses. And within those categories, there's like more specific ones. And we will be diving into each of those throughout the episodes of this podcast. So you guys can learn what they really entail. And so you can just know more about what people around you might be going through. things going on around us that have changed many people's lives in an interesting and unpredictable manner. This could have monumental and detrimental effects on everyone's mental health. Throughout this podcast, we will be exploring deeper into different mental health topics each episode. Coming up next, please join us for the mindfulness episode. Thanks again, and see you all next episode.
Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.